going on? Oh, not much, man. Man, where do you want to start? Oh, I, I don't know, because this week has been a whole lot of ups, downs, a little bit of stuff in the middle. Welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Uh, should we just go chronological? Yeah, let, let's start from Raw. So Raw, I went through and I marked down everything that I thought was worth mentioning. Uh, these are all good talking points. I was going to try to get like some of the weaker points out of the way, but it, there's really no way to go about it. Nikki Ash yeah. cashed in and won. For those that are listening, first of all, Gabe is not able to make it because he was feeling under the weather. And um, Yes, thank you. All three of us had had many things to say about this. Specifically because uh, me and my wife were playing Batman when Gabe was calling our group chat and all his reactions. I wish he was here right now. I really do. I wish he was here so he could rant about many things about Raw. I watched it. I went to text the group and by the time I grabbed my phone, you guys were already calling and I was like, I, I'm not going to hop in that because I'm just, I don't know what to say and I'm not going to say anything because I just need time. Yeah. And my a lot thing. Of, a lot of mixed emotions. Like I've, like I've said, I've said this a lot and I will continue to say it. I have nothing against Nikki the person. She's fantastic. She's an awesome wrestler. It is purely the gimmick that, and I don't want to say I'm against it, but it's purely the gimmick that I'm like not behind at this point. And rightfully so, because it just happened. And she it's, just got the title. She cashed it's in. Been a whirlwind of, you know, she was. She was just kind of nice, happy to be there, Nikki Cross, and then she goes and takes that a step further and becomes a superhero. And what well, drives wins oh, money in the bank, which I I was okay with her winning money in the bank after internalizing it, because I thought you know what this is a good chance they're kind of taking a gamble, but at the same time they can use this build up her momentum get get her some decent wins under her belt, and then you start to get that ball rolling and she cashes in a little bit later in the year but they just said screw it let's just do it not only let's just do it but let's have her pin the most arguably the most protected woman on well in wrestling right now honestly yeah and she came out and she hit a, a crossbody on charlotte pinder and won and, and I got to be oh. honest, it was a good segment because I saw it and I was like, is she going to win it or is she not going to win it? Because mm-hmm. my my brain said, there's no way she's going to lose. And my heart was like, I don't know, man, it's WWE. It's I don't know. Oh, do you think this is putting the horse before the carriage? Oh, I Just absolutely do think so, because there's, there's a. A fair amount of things that get me going with this. Why I have mixed emotions. Because I love I love Nikki. Like she's she's a great wrestler. She's also like her personality, like out of character. Her her 
great person. What is many different factors. Charlotte just took the title off of Rhea for I don't know how many times at this point, but she's about to set essentially be the record holder for most amount of women's titles. Women's title reigns. And that I don't not surprise me if they did that. And it just drives me nuts because they're doing the Ric Flair treatment for her and it's just so annoying. Get her off my TV screen. Get her out of the title picture, please. And well, I mean, if they did it a little less blatantly, I think that'd be fine. But, you know, they're literally playing hot potato with the title again with her just to add the number to the to her tally. And that's so blatantly obvious. It just sucks. And Rhea was just her title run was still fresh. Charlotte took it off her the night before just to hand over the title to Nikki Ash. And it's just, why? Let this run its course. Please, not just like, uh, so we need kind of need to give this to her since we don't know what to do with the money in the bank contract on the women's side, which I've also looked back at the other uh, women's uh, money in the bank. It did not last for very long before they cashed in. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Like, this has been historic. I will say it. I would, I would have been a lot worse feeling if she would have won it off of Rhea. Same. That that's what Gabe pointed out. Charlotte is built to be protected at this point, and this loss is not going to break her. I don't think it would necessarily break Rhea, but it would do a lot more damage to her than it would do to Charlotte. So if I had to do it this way, and I had to book it that way, I would have her win it off of Charlotte. I wouldn't have even had it booked this way. That's just the thing that drives me nuts. I wouldn't have either. If I I had it my way, and call me old-fashioned, but I would have had Nikki build up this momentum over this year and not even win Money in the Bank this year, but if her momentum is there for next year, Give it to her then. And then if you have a quick cash in or, or you have to do something like that, she's already established. But she hasn't even been established yet. And you Her know, character I know, is, I know, what, a month old right now? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's less than a couple months, which is the minimum. But, you know, I, I know people would also say, you know, oh, well, Zelina is kind of fresh on the WWE scene as far as you know being on her own and I don't think Zelina should have necessarily won I think in a biased sense I would have liked to see her win but I think ideally you know having Liv Morgan win because she's such the the baby face right now in the feel-good story going against the heel Charlotte I think could have been interesting which it would have, what funny enough, whenever we get to something we're going to bring up later on, it would have been like a little bit of a grudge match because remember when Liv Morgan still had the pink hair, well, candy, cotton candy like look to her with the blue tongue? She, yes, I forget exactly the promo, what it was for, but it was essentially Charlotte or someone 
talking to the women in the back. Liv Morgan had enough, got on the announce table and was like, I'm going to have a match right now. I'm going to show my worth and lost to Charlotte before she went and got repackaged the way she is now. And that could have been another thing. Yeah. That could have been like one of the things that WWE loves to do behind all of our backs is like bring old stuff into a current storyline and they missed that opportunity. Long-term booking, yeah. For the sake of time, let's move on to the next thing. Oh, yeah, there's a lot about oh, Raw. Oh, I boy. Three, I have three other things. What? Let's do the one that I think is going to be the least talking point-wise. I think it is the right the one thing that you're about to get onto. So I'm going to go ahead and say right now before we get onto that discussion, uh, Jeff Hardy fanboy, I am very happy that No More Words is back. I was literally like the moment that that song came back on Raw, I was listening to it on repeat the next day and the day after. It was nice. What happened, though? Oh, yeah. What happened, though, was just atrocious. And I forgot until it was brought up because I was listening to a podcast and I forgot. And it angered me even more because they said, up to that point, Karrion Cross is not lost on television. And yep. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And now he was undefeated. And for nothing. It was a you know, he pinned him on the and leveraged his feet on the ropes, which correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff is a face. Jeff is a baby face and And they don't that do is, that. That is something that heels normally do. That's not something that faces do unless there's something that they have to do that when the cost is too high for them to lose. Yeah. And that wasn't the case here. It was just Karrion Cross is coming to Raw for a day and Jeff Hardy decided to beat him. What? So there's a couple of things that I can add on to this conversation. So... A couple of things that I've looked into like a- after Raw was that um, this was a decision that Karrion Cross did himself was to get into that match. That was an interview that was done. I don't know if it's on WWE.com or not, but that, that was there. And I will say word on the street or the rumor mill is that Karrion Cross is a big Jeff Hardy fan. This doesn't really change much. But just looking at NXT right now after seeing Jeff Hardy just roll up carrying cross makes NXT look like a whole bunch of chumps. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. And then he goes to NXT the next day and he's this, you know, oh, I can do whatever I want and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, talking down to Samoa Joe, I'm sorry, but in terms of technicality and reality at this point, Samoa Joe could decimate Jeff Hardy in a fight. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Hardy beat Karrion Cross. So where does that put Karrion Cross in terms of believability against a guy like Samoa Joe? It it isn't Behemoth versus Behemoth. It's Behemoth and Samoa Joe versus a guy that maybe has a few clinks in his armor now, Karrion Cross. And we'll get to NXT, but it, as far as protecting Karrion Cross's image. It didn't do not it. And it didn't did do, do good. anything for Jeff. So there was no point to this. 
what WWE tried to do with their 50-50 booking was to make the audience feel happy because they were holding back no more words for Jeff Hardy for the crowds coming back. They did that, but they ruined it at the same time with this awful 50-50 booking. They could have chosen anybody else from their backstage roster. but they Well, they tried to have it both ways. They tried to have it both ways because they wanted the pop for no more words. They wanted the pop for Karrion Cross. The pop wasn't there. There really wasn't a cheer when he came out, and it, he looked. They gave him the jobber awkward. entrance. They gave him the awkward. jobber entrance. He he looked awkward coming out, like he didn't know what to do because the camera was on him the whole time. And in NXT, that's never the case. And he always had Scarlet with him, so it's there was missing elements there. But they tried to have it both ways. They wanted they wanted to have the pop for Hardy, and the new song, and and Hardy coming out. And they also want to have the pop for Karrion Cross, And they saw it as a win-win. It doesn't work that way. No. Give the pop for Hardy. Give him a heel. Don't give him Cross because Cross is a champion. He's an NXT champion. And to protect Cross in the title, you got to have him win. If you have him win, makes Jeff look weak. It ruins that segment. That's one of those segments where you got to have the face win and against a heel where it's not exactly consequential that the face wins. If they would have had the match go on for like 10 minutes and the match would have been close, which granted is not believable because the way they've been building Karrion Cross, everyone would have been okay because, you know, Jeff Hardy is the veteran. He's a, he's a world, WWE champion, world heavyweight champion. I think he's almost a true blue champion. The one that he may be missing is either the U.S. or Intercontinental. Some crazy stuff like that. But he's essentially just done everything that WWE has for him. Which, I mean, if you, Karen... look at, you look at in the recent past, he had that killer match at, um, I believe it was the last takeover. It was Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne. I think Gargano was in that match. Cross. And I think there was someone else. I think there was like there was like five people in it. And he went through hell in that match and still won. And then you come up to Raw, Jeff Hardy beats you like nothing in less than 10 minutes. It was literally like less than two minutes. Like I believe someone had it timed to a minute and 54 seconds. Which is ridiculous. Anyways, let's let's move on to another segment that I have some hope for if it goes the right way, but I have my reservations. Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this because it's a little bit bittersweet. Because one, they're doing a little thing. I'm I'm assuming they're doing a little thing with like old 3MB members, but Heath Slater isn't there. So, kind of too little too late. Impact. Yeah, it's a little bit late. Well, I feel and General like Hall hasn't done out. shit. He hasn't done a thing at feeling. all. Minus, he hasn't done anything minus main event. They're hashing up old feelings, and I feel like I. I don't think gender should be dominant over Drew, but I think with these two new guys, they should get a few wins under their belt and get some legitimacy. I hate 
that they came out looking so generic. Mm. You cannot get over on generic stuff. They don't you have even to stand have out. their names anywhere. You have to stand out. I would have looked at the roster too. I didn't see any of Jinder's lackeys. They're in just black gear and that's it. And one of them had this singing segment where he had to sing horribly and oh, any of the old great Kali stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, what, this is never going to get over. Let's put Jinder Hall in the motorcycle too. Because like I remember, I, feel, I don't remember if it was this week or last week. But um, General Mahal and his guys were like, oh, yeah, we're going to destroy the sword. They destroyed the sword. And then Drew McIntyre was like, oh, no, you didn't destroy my actual sword. That one's a copy. And here I am going to just kick over your bike. Kick yeah, over that, the was bike. Sweet. that was a sweet. I'm just like, I remember that. this is so childish. Yeah, everybody has stuff now. You know, Shinsuke took Baron's crown and now... You know the motorcycle and the and the sword. It's a sword. Like I get it's you know, it, and is it even a a heirloom thing? Didn't Seamus give him that sword? Um, I don't I, remember I who remember. gave him the sword. I just know it's Vince McMahon's like actual sword. That's something that Vince owns himself that he gave the Drew McIntyre for the gimmick. I remember there was a segment and Seamus is just like, here's a sword. And it was like, wow, thank you, brother. And I was like, what was that? It's one of those weird segments that stick out. It's like, what? Where I need some backstory and there's nothing there. But it it is childish. But I I have hope for this rivalry. I do. I I feel like it could be good. They need to do some major tweaking, especially in the Department of Gender's Lackeys. And making them not Jinder's lackeys, but his allies, and working on that. Anyways, on to the final thing I have marked for Raw. By the way, to confirm it for you, Seamus did give Drew McIntyre the um, sword, because I was looking at his Claymore, which I had to verify it was an actual Claymore, because I forgot, because I'm, I'm really big on the swords. But yeah, Seamus gifted Drew McIntyre to Claymore. But moving on. I knew it. All right, we're going to have to speed these up for time because we do have some other things to get to. But Bobby Lashley came out, had an open challenge. We all thought, you know, Goldberg, because he was confirmed for this episode, uh, maybe Brock Lesnar if something, some curveball would have came out. But uh, Keith Lee returned and lost to Lashley. I like Keith Lee's in-ring work. I don't like his promos. His promos are very dainty compared to his what he does in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, it's Keith Lee's an afterthought because out comes Goldberg to challenge oh, Bobby Lashley. Bird. Why did they have to do that to Keith Lee? Exactly. There was no point. He's literally gone to every single match. And lost. I don't recall a win for Keith Lee. And he's supposed to be like someone that the crowd genuinely cheered for. Because the, the audience that NXT has that watches Raw, they love Keith Lee. Because he had a good story there in NXT. But he's going to be on that list of wasted NXT talent if they keep booking him this way. That ever-growing list. 
but yeah, unbelievable. This segment was sloppy, honestly. There's, there's no point. <sighs> it almost feels like you couldn't. You could have just cut out the Keith Lee part completely and just had Bobby come out and say, "I got an open challenge." Goldberg comes out, Bobby in heel fashion backs out and says, "No, not tonight." And then you know Goldberg then goes for the pursuit for SummerSlam. That that literally is the most simplest thing they could have done, but they added an extra step for no reason. Yes. Other than they had to shoehorn in a Keith Lee return and didn't have anywhere else to do it, where, ironically, anywhere else probably would have been better. You know what would have been good? Keith Lee returning to take on Karrion Cross, and then if Keith Lee won, eh. It would have it been eh because they already fought in NXT. But I think it would have been better than Hardy winning. I think if you oh. would have given those two time in a match and Keith Lee won, A, that pushes Keith Lee up the rungs a little bit. It knocks Karrion Cross down a peg. And it's not exactly as big of a hit. Or if they really wanted like Keith Lee to lose like they have been doing this entire time, they could have just put Keith Lee and Jeff Hardy together. They could have. They could have. Like you, you, that's when they really truly have their win-win because they have no more words come back. They have Keith Lee come back. They have a match. Jeff Hardy wins. Oh my god, crazy. Let's move on to NXT. I only have two notes on NXT. Uh, the only two notable things that happened. It was kind of a sleeper show. Raquel really? uh, Raquel retained the title against Ia Lee. I am not a Zia Lee fan. I feel like her stuff is too cinematic in Hollywood. Whereas I enjoy it. I really don't. I just feel like it's too stage proppy and and theatrical for wrestling. I don't know. That's just a weird preference of mine. Her work in the ring and everything is fine. I don't have a knock on that. It's just like the entrance stuff, the promo stuff. It's all Hollywood. So Raquel retained, uh, and then, you know, the whole time we're getting the tease of Samoa Joe, he's amped up, and he wants to go all out on Karrion Cross, and William Regal's telling him no. And then at the end, Karrion Cross takes out William Regal. Uh, Samoa Joe runs after him, and it ends the show. Yeah, the, the show was kind of, I wouldn't say lackluster because NXT is usually like a pretty good show on itself, but I mean, it's it more of that like it's just uneventful. Yeah, there was nothing like really truly like important minus the the title match and yeah, the build I mean, up for Samoa Joe's in ring return. I mean, Bobby Fish and Kushida going against Part of Diamond Mine was good. That match was solid. Oh yeah. The storyline isn't necessarily there yet, but the technicality of the match was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, on, that, Austin on that same night. Good. Yep. Yep. On that same night, and that was also the day that we were doing our fantasy booking. That's a plug for those that are listening that haven't checked that out. Give it a listen if you're interested in how Nick and I would build our own roster using WWE and other rosters. That's essentially what we've done. That same night, we had 
Fighter Fest night too. On Tuesday? Wait, uh, oh, NXT is on Tuesday. That's right. I forgot. I'm used to Wednesdays. I'm used yeah, to me, it on Wednesdays. So sometimes um, me too. I catch myself on that. <laughs> on the card. Card and results, we have the five Labors of Jericho match. Chapter one was Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. Spears could use a chair, whereas Jericho can't. Chris Jericho won. It's an alright match. I did not catch this match. I don't remember why, but I had to tune in late to it. So I missed the whole hullabaloo of the first segment of the show. And so next week's uh, labor match will be a notice qualification match against Nick Gage. Yep. Yep. That'll be chapter two. Allow me to say, as a as an AEW fan, a man that really likes AEW product in general, I do have criticisms. I do have things that I'm like, yeah, we could work on that or this or whatever. This has to be one of... If there is a dumber moment or a dumber decision, it is not coming to mind, and I highly doubt there is a dumber decision on their behalf but why would you bring this guy in i have you seen the dark side of the ring episode with him i have not i'm i'm behind on my dark side of the ring i watched it and i believe in second chances you know what i'm going to get there i'm going to get there let me go You're through get first. there Let me go through first Nick Gage's rap sheet. The thing's going against him. So, first of all, he's a deathmatch guy. I don't like deathmatch wrestling. I don't agree with it. I think it's way too far. We'll we'll get there. I'll elaborate. Yeah, we'll get there because there is a Texas deathmatch on the Fighter Fest card. Well, I mean, I'll get to my opinions on deathmatch wrestling, too, to elaborate on this whole thing. But he had this big event with this guy named Thumbtack Jack. Oh, I remember you telling me this. And my recollection is a little loose, so I might get one or two things mixed up here. But essentially, he went through the ropes, went through light tubes, Nick Cage, and a couple of shards of the light tubing went into his armpit and cut two of his arteries and he almost bled out. He was pronounced dead for, I believe seven minutes. He wanted to go back in the ring. He wants to die in the ring. Um, Beyond that, he has robbed a bank without a mask also without a weapon, but he bluffed that he did have a weapon and he has abused oxycontin and heroin now i'm gonna say this on the bank robbing that's not exactly a deal breaker as far as signing somebody to a wrestling company now if it was multiple times or if there was you know violence or murder involved absolutely 
or something to a bigger degree than what we're talking about. Absolutely, it's off the table. But, you know, he still, you know, was threatening the teller and everything and caused that psychological damage to that teller and still robbed a bank. And the, and the drug abuse, I you know, people have vices that they get over. And in the wrestling world, there are the, you know, the people that have had shadier past that have gotten past it. And wrestling has actually helped them to get past that above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, the R-Truths and uh, Booker T's of the world. Yep. I don't believe they... I don't believe either of them had issues with drug abuse, but Kurt Angle had a painkiller abuse story, you know. Yeah, we we obviously know Jeff Hardy had to deal with drugs and alcohol abuse as well. Jeff Hardy too. We we know a fair amount of others that have gone through drugs, alcohol abuse. What I'm saying is, in the terms of wrestling, that is a that is a a hurdle but not an impassable one for what we're talking about with Nick but when you get to the point to where you are talking to David Arquette and he says you know anything but the face whatever and then Nick Gage gets in this match and literally cuts his throat for the sake of the match and almost kills the guy it was a miracle he didn't kill him And, you know, a guy that almost died in the ring and wanted to die in the ring, possibly still wants to die in the ring, and has all this deathmatch stuff that the FCC and all these television ratings people would just die of a heart attack if it made it on TV. Is that the guy you want on your wrestling program? Is that the guy you want to broadcast on TV and risk getting your entire show pulled off the network for not me personally. I, I seriously am disappointed in AEW and I don't mean this in a joking way or I'm not playing it up. I really am disappointed. And I don't mean to hash on this for a long time, but I seriously don't like this guy. He's radical, and, and I don't what think I've... you should trust him with your life in the ring from what I've seen in, the, in his past. As well as the, the consensus is from what I've seen as well from people is that um, they don't like Nick Gage either. They either don't like him or they don't know who he is. Those are the two responses I've seen. There have been a few, you know, MDK for life's and all that in the comments. I've seen those. But for the most part, it's uh, should I feel bad about not knowing who this is, or I hope that I really hope this is a one-time thing, and it, that seems to be the general consensus. Also, uh, Matt Cardona won the GCW title from Nick Kate from Nick Gage in a death match this week, so that might oh, be yeah. a pointing sign that Gage is coming to, to AEW full time. If Which we can I don't go, know if you saw that, but the fans oh, yeah, were throwing cans and stuff at Cardona. The, that's a great fan base you want to bring to AEW. Another thing uh, that, from what I've seen, because that was 
trending while I was like traveling and I was checking Twitter because a fair amount of wrestling stuff was trending on Twitter was that Matt Cardona is a heel and he is actually, he would rather have people throw the trash that him winning the championship there considering what their match was, was very bloody rather than not, but he's got a lot of heel heat, which is good. I mean, if for what he's trying to achieve, yeah, because it's I'm trying to be a heel and I'm trying to get people to, you know, yell at me and throw stuff at me. So mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you look at this and it's, you know, you have this deathmatch wrestling and you're he's bleeding all over. And, you know, the finish was like breaking two light bulbs over Nick Gage and then Cardona hit his finisher. I don't know what it's called. I forget what, what it's called. And he literally comes up and he has a uh, oh crap moment and grabs his head with both arms so he doesn't get hit in the head with a full can of beer or whatever. And he has the title. He has a celebration moment. Looks like something straight out of WWE with the celebration. And then, you know, he flips off the crowd and everything and then has the audacity to go through through the crowd that just threw beer cans and stuff at him like it's nothing like nobody's gonna do anything and nobody did anything thank god but you know if you have somebody throwing stuff are you gonna go through that crowd to get away which is props to him for like having like the audacity to even go through the crowd after them throwing all of their trash at him and almost nailing him in the head a couple times i refuse to give him props on that because it's pure idiocracy that he did that and I think it's stupid that he went from you know winning Intercontinental winning the one of the titles at Wrestlemania to GCW and doing this deathmatch garbage I will not applaud him for that I'm not applauding for the deathmatch off the cliff I'm not applauding for deathmatch stuff but for like him to be able to still go through a crowd, thankfully, again, nothing happening. After them throwing the trash, having all that heat, and making out fine, I applaud him for being able to do that without breaking character. I'm happy that he made it through the crowd, and I don't wish ill will on him or Nick or any anybody, but he is very lucky that those... I'm trying to word it. He's very lucky that those riled up, violent, willing to go further than most people crowd didn't do something to him for how mad people were at him for winning that title from their wrestling god, Nick Gage. It, that That's about all I have to say. Cause that, that yeah, just, I, have no, I have no further comments for that. I'm I'm disappointed. I hope the Nick Gage thing is a one one off. I kind of doubt it will be at this point because of the Matt Cardona stuff. But I don't know. Anyway, Moving on to Fighter Fest Night Two. Next let's match move on the on card. To something good. Britt Baker and Nyla Rose. Okay, I was gonna go through the rest of the card, but yeah, we can go to that. I, for the sake of time, I think we should just skip through a little bit. Okay. 
just because we have a lot of stuff. We have a little surprise at the end too, a little impromptu that mm-hmm. is going to take some time. So did you watch the Britt Baker, Nyla Rose match? I have not watched it. I've, I've seen a couple of clips from it. That's about it. I am sorry. There's one other thing that we forgot about. At the end of this whole thing, Chris Jericho cut a promo, a very awkward shot promo. He was facing away from the camera and everything. It was kind of weird. Uh, this is the AEW debut of Painmaker. Oh, yeah. Because Chris said MJF's bringing out the most violent, sadistic wrestler, and I'm going to bring out the most violent, sadistic side of Chris Jericho. So it is going to be the Painmaker, Chris Jericho, versus Nick Gage this week. Slightly excited for Painmaker, Jericho. I am too. But I have one other thing to say. As soon as something extreme comes out in that match, I am shutting it off. Pizza cutter, fork, razor blade, mine, light tube glass, kitchen scissors. I don't know. Yeah, it is and an I ODQ match. I want to elaborate, too. There is a fine line. Extreme wrestling and deathmatch wrestling are two different things. I am fine with extreme wrestling. I do not like deathmatch wrestling. So, like, barbed wire to an extent is okay thumbtacks again to an extent are okay tables kendo sticks chairs whatever those are fine but when i when you turn on czw and stuff and you see the big teacher scissors going through somebody's tongue i Um, have seen that yeah czw tape yeah that's pretty much where i draw the line I, you know, I draw the line about a mile back from that. Things like that, yeah. I don't want to see that. Nobody should be doing that for any reason. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make this whole thing about that. I just want to elaborate and let people know where I stand, so there's no gray area. Understandable. I got away, I got way away from my point there. Before but we let, before, let's go back. We... To- Go to Britt Baker. I just want to bring up Darby Allen. We were Yuta had a good match, but there's one moment that I love to see was when Sting and Orange Cassidy were on the side of the ring. And if you know Orange Cassidy, he's like a joke gimmick, and and it works so well. The little like kick thing they did. Yeah, Orange Cassidy and Sting. Orange Cassidy went to go do his like his devastating kicks. I'm saying this with finger quotes for those that don't know. And Sting went and returned it. And then they stared at each other. And Sting looked at him with a straight face and started beating his chest. In the background, you can see Darby Allen look over in the ropes like, what's going on? And very, like, <laughs> very nonchalantly beating his chest, too. It was, it was funny. I love that moment. Uh, uh, that match, it was a good match. Yeah, Wheeler and Wheeler and Darby are both really good. Wheeler's kind of surprising me. He's a little bit better than I thought he would be. He surprised a lot of people. Now, somebody that was not so good tonight or on that night was Nyla Rose. She moves very slow. 
Britt Baker committed to a couple of arm drags. And Nyla was very slow to sell them. So Britt would be, she would go for the arm drag. She would be on the ground already. Almost before Nyla even jumped to go through the arm drag. So it looked very fake. It not, I just wrote Nyla's too slow to sell convincingly for Britt. And Britt Baker retained the title. There was, was a spot that was it during a the match. match, but it was it was a clunky match. Yes, there was a spot during the match where uh, both Britt Baker and Nyla Rose were going to go ahead and do the Eddie Guerrero like fake a hit and then lay down on the on the mat. Yes, I forgot about that. And that they was great. Down on it. Yeah, they did. Because at I first I was it. like, "All right, this is cliche," and then they switched it around. It's like, "Oh, okay, all right." Yeah, different. they 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 changed it up a little bit. It was nice to see. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, next on the card, I have Andrade having a new executive consultant. Ah, uh, yes, and, this was important. In Chavo Guerrero. This is awesome good stuff. I'm good excited. To see Chavo, he looks good. Possibly ring ready if he needs to be. Maybe, maybe would be cool. Get a little death triangle Andrade Chavo action. That'd be nice. I don't know who their third man would be, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. If yep. anybody. And then the last match in the card, just for the sake of time, was. Not our favorite match, the Texas Death Match for the IWGP United States title. Lance this, Archer won. Yes. Now, this match I was okay with. This match was right on that border between Death Match and Extreme Wrestling. Now, they, they say Texas Death Match. It was really an extreme match. It, you know, they, there was no white tubes, there was no profuse bleeding or anything. I will say the one thing that I did not like was the fork spots. Yeah. That was a little too deathmatch for me. And not to mention, you know, John grabbed that fork and just boom, 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 hit him in the head. It had to be at least 10 times with that fork. And then Lance Archer wasn't even cut. Whereas, like, believably, you would think, man, he is just his face is hanging, his forehead's hanging off his head and just, you know, brutal stuff. And that wasn't the case. Not that I want that to be the case, but I'm just saying when you think about doing that, you know, do you think about how it's going to look when it's not actually there, you know? Yeah. Cause that's a visual cell. That would have to be a visual cell. There'd have to be something there, but right. other than that, it was a solid match. Honestly, I would say that was probably the match of the night. Yeah, I, of the I consensus is that that was the match know, of the night. I know you're more of a Mox fan. I'm a Mox fan, but I know you're more of a Mox fan than I am. This is facts. But I agree with Lance Archer winning the title. I was all and, right with Lance Archer winning the title. John has had a lengthy run with it. Yes, he has. For a change. And if he would have beat Lance Archer, I don't know who else could have could have won. 
believably at this point. So right. I, I was all right with that. Other than the fork spot, good match. Great match. I was happy with the match, regardless of the result. That does it for Dynamite. Um, On to SmackDown. SmackDown, I don't have much for. I actually missed SmackDown. I had to make a run that made me miss it, but I, I went back and looked. I have three things, and I guarantee you, you can guess what they are. <laughs> Two of them yeah. are supremely obvious. One of them, maybe not so much, but if you think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the with the one I have the least to say about, and perhaps you do too. Bianca Belair retains over Carmella. Yeah, I, I didn't care. I was happy that Bianca won, but I'm tired. I want this to end. I want it to end. I didn't care. Yeah, I I don't want Carmella to be in this title picture for a long, long time, unless they plan on giving her the belt. Which, mm. if they're thinking right, they shouldn't be thinking about right now. Let Bianca have some run with it. But and should Carmella win the title? Should she be the one? Eh, I don't think so. I think we should just let Bianca's title run its course and and see where we end up. Because I really don't know who else I would put in that spot. But I, I really haven't thought about it much. I don't have much to say about it. I'm just glad Carmella didn't end up winning for now. Yeah. I like I like Carmella better than I like Bianca. But I'm of I the opposite. Realize, I can also realize that it's the wrong time. And it doesn't need to happen. The business side of me says that. My bias is saying I wish she would have won, but the business side of me is more sensible for this and it makes it more fun in the long, long run. Yep. I have no further comments. The next thing that I will bring up, I don't know if it's on yours was, can I say that on Friday, they did a great job with Baron Corbin's gimmick, his current fall to grace gimmick. Cause I wasn't completely sold on it, but after Friday I'm sold on it. Oh, I read about it. Didn't Kevin Owens give him money and then? Yeah, so Baron Corbin had like nuts or something. <laughs> yeah, so Baron Corbin had like a site. It was like, it was like a GoFundMe for his little fall from grace, his little sadness stuff. Then uh, Kevin Owens in backstage like gave him money. Baron Corbin was walking, and then uh, from the tank, I believe it was a uh, Shotzi's tank. It went and fired a little, um, uh, not a golf, what was it? A tennis ball. Tennis ball shot out of the tank and it hit Baron Corbin right in the nuts, which I'm a sucker for stuff like that because that's hilarious. And he sold it very well. It was hilarious. Even if it was like genuine or not, it really did hit him in the nuts, which it looked like it did. He sold it so well. I was, I was in. And then Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode stole the money that Kevin Owens gave him while he was sulking from getting shot in the nuts. I just, I don't, I'm not a Baron Corbin fan. But this is the man that retired Kurt Angle. This is a King of the Ring winner. 
former U.S. champion. And to gimmick him out completely, I mean, it, there, there becomes a line. Is it entertaining? Yes. But at the same time, is it doing anything for wrestling? And uh, it's, it's not. I mean, I could understand he's on a losing streak in the ring. And he's, you know, he's starting to get it in his own head about it. And, you know, something's got to change and he flips a switch. I, I don't know. But doing all this extra stuff and, you know, pitying himself out and everything, I just, I'm not in it. It's a step too far for me. I want to see where it goes from here, but overall, it gets my praise because it's super simple so far. It it just becomes a, a matter, it seems like, a matter of how can we top how ridiculous and pathetic this guy is right now. <laughs> but when you do that, <laughs> how do you bring him back? How do you reel it back in? How do you make him a credible star again? And the answer is going to be you can't after a certain point. There is a certain point in the deep end where you do not come back. I will say that Wade are having this, if they have his comeback story, I really hope it works because it will be beautiful. This would be the one time we see Babyface Corbin, and I want to see it work. Babyface Corbin could work. Heel Corbin is just annoying and doesn't work. I'm willing to give Face Corbin a shot, given it's done right. I don't know. I'm I'm a ne- I'm in a negative mood, I guess. The next <laughs> the next thing I have is a little negative, but not for it, it's bittersweet, I guess. Tony Storm made her debut, and this is the one thing that I was definitely like, man, I'm gonna miss that. Like when I first realized I was gonna miss SmackDown, it's the first thing I was like, man, I'm gonna miss that segment. But Tony Storm made her debut and in rather quick fashion beat Zelina Vega with a pin. And the thing that I am not happy with is that she pinned Zelina Vega. Yeah, they they could have picked other people on the roster. And for once, it's not burying Naomi. I will put that out there, but I believe she's on Raw. But or they could have had, I think, Dana Brooks on SmackDown. I don't remember who's on who anymore other than who's on who's been showing up more frequently. But they yeah, buried they Zelina Vega. Somebody. Feed her somebody. I mean, Zelina Vega's on a come up. Tony Storm, now that she's on the main roster, is on a come up. And you can't just... Unless you have nothing planned for Zelina and you just plan to phase her out, which, if that's the point, why'd you even sign her back? I don't know. I don't think it's going to hurt Zelina too much. I think her and Liv are going to have a feud and things are going to work out for the both of them and Tony. But at the same time, it just felt like this was kind of treading water. I, yeah. but I'm, I'm glad she's, uh, I'm glad Tony's on the main roster though. That is some good news. And she got a win. Great. It wouldn't necessarily have chosen Selena Vega, but that's whatever. There's two more things I'm going to quickly bring up. 
Seth Rollins and Edge cut a promo on SmackDown as well. They're going to be feuding. Yep. And then uh, Roman Reigns uh, denied John Cena's challenge for the title. And instead, Finn Bauer came out and Roman Reigns accepted Finn Bauer's challenge for the title. I don't think that's going to last long. I don't think so either. You know what I think is going to happen? What's that? I, I would put dollars to this because this is exactly what's going to happen. And I'm calling it right now on July 25th. What a, a month? I think we're roughly a month before SummerSlam. This is what's going to happen. It's going to somehow, some way, turn into a triple threat Cena, Reigns, and Balor. Cena and Reigns are going to duke it out and just beat the unholy hell out of each other to the point to where Finn Balor can sneak in, get the win, easy way to get the title off of Roman without making him look bad, and that's how you get a new champion. Finn Balor is going to be the next champion. I would be happy with Finn Balor being champion. However, there's a couple things. I don't like that if WD words do that, I don't like them just like getting an easy way out. I want it to be clean. I want it to be believable. So do I. I'm just going based on the science of what's happened before. And there's, and, and there's some things to that, too, because Finn Balor was the universal champion, had to yep. give it up because of the shoulder injury when he faced yep. Seth Rollins. And there's something there's something there for right. a face run for Finn Balor. Which now, also, does he, does fun fact, Roman it is his birthday and, today. Happy birthday, Prince Devitt, Finn Balor. But moving on, I just had to quickly bring that up. The the interesting thing comes after Roman loses the belt because what does he do from there? After I mean, I high and mighty for so many months, almost a year now. What do you come down to? There's I, really nothing on SmackDown. I think he's going to be very dominant in his own right after losing the title. If they book him well, he doesn't need to be strong and dominant. That's what I'm hoping that they would, would he, do. Who would he go against that would even be believable at this point that they would have a chance against Roman on SmackDown? Uh, beyond me, man. That that's the the roadblock I'm running into. And Cena's not going to stick around. Oh no, this is only a part time gig. So I don't know. Now do I? I guarantee you that's how Finn Balor is going to win the title. That's what's going to happen. Or or Big E gets into the mix somehow. Cashes in after some after Victor's been determined, takes the title, or, and then we get Big E title run, or Big E cashes in on Raw, wins from Lashley, and the New Day's reunited. And that's a, a lot of things I have been seeing that people have been speculating or been wanting. Worst nightmare situation. <laughs> I I seriously do not like the New Day. I really do not. Oh, I know. Individually or as a group at this point. Oh, I know. It's been a couple years since, like, before the podcast, we've discussed 
of stuff on WWE, and you were an avid person for New Day and oh, how things changed. Yeah, I was on it when it first came out because it was cool and it was fresh, and then it was just the same thing for, what's it been, six years now, seven years almost? Just Pretty close. Just the same thing, just throwing pancakes and being weird and <laughs> goofy in a way that doesn't work unless you're under 10 years old. I don't know. Works for the PG era. Let's quickly talk two things before we get to our surprise. The first right. thing I am excited about, Thunder Rosa is now signed fully to AEW. I've seen that today. I've seen that earlier today. That got me excited too. More women, on the, awesome. more women on the AEW roster. Please. It's so small. I mean, it's not so much... It is small, but it's a little bit bigger than you think because they do have some women that they're not using on the on the main show. There's some yeah. on dark and dark elevation, and you know sometimes they get some people from NWA and stuff. But AEW's so roster themselves is is small. Yeah, the the ones they utilize on main television. Yeah, so that was the one thing. The other thing. There are a lot of sources now, credible sources too, not just random people on the internet saying it anymore. This isn't just a random rumor mill. Yes, saying that CM Punk and Brian Danielson are signing slash are signed with AEW and they're expected to debut in Chicago on September 22nd. Now, the sources that I've seen, CM Punk is still in talks, hasn't put the pen to paper yet. There's one source that's just always 100% signed. Uh, Brian Danielson, it looks like the general consensus is he is signed under the guise of less time working in the ring, more freedom to work in Japan, more creative freedom. Nobody knows to the extent that AEW agreed to any of that, but that is what the word is right now. And the there's a little bit of they're leaving a little bit of a trail here that makes you believe maybe this is the case. First off, CM Punk reopened his merchandise store and Daniel Bryan was pulled from WWE 2K22. Which is a big deal, actually, because usually if it wasn't the case, he would have been there. Yep, that's those are both strong indicators that there's something brewing. And another thing to add on top of that is that the rumor mill is also going that WWE is looking to re-sign Braun Strowman because of the sheer fact that AEW is in talks with Brian Danielson and CM Punk. Oh, yes. In that, in that trade, I would, I would much rather have Braun Strowman than CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I would much rather have the grown man that Chugga chugga choo choos around the ring before hitting you. Which shows that express. which shows that if this rumor mill is indeed true, that WWE is in panic mode yet again. I don't know why they would want to sign him. Let a it in a business competitive mind, let AEW waste the money on Braun Strowman. 
and it's I, not to say that Braun's not a talented guy. It's just he's so big, it's a it's a fault. Because there he really is, isn't anybody to credibly work with him at this point. And he is very much built from WWE. Oh, absolutely. He is a product of WWE. Yes. For sure. So there I don't... are certain people that once they get that under them, you cannot get rid of it. I don't think Tony Khan would have been looking at Braun Strowman necessarily. No, no. Especially so, for what Braun wanted out of the game. Yeah. Because that's what WWE was paying him during COVID to keep him from going anywhere else, which was a little over $2 million. Yeah. But he's not that guy. Everyone is excited. I will tell you all right now don't get your hopes up too big. Because, like, don't don't get your hopes up so high that you're going to be disappointed regardless. Don't get too yeah, excited. Don't, don't get your hopes up too high. But at the same time, realize this is really a unique thing. Because there are multiple credible sources out there saying that this is more than likely going to happen for both of them. It, in terms of being close to CM Punk coming back to a ring and... Brian Danielson coming to AEW. This is the closest that we've ever been. And if it doesn't oh, happen, it doesn't God. happen. If it doesn't happen, well, that is the same thing that's been going on for years. Everybody's like been not everybody, but there's been always been those little talks of CM Punk. When's he gonna return? When's he gonna return? If this happens, especially in Chicago. Oh that boy! Be the biggest modern pop. The biggest modern pop. I'm calling it. The internet will be broken just out of wrestling fans seeing CM Punk debut in AEW and coming back to wrestle. I got a few action figures and cards that might shoot up a little bit if he does it. So. He might oh, yeah. want to debut because I could I could make some money. <laughs> I hate to be that way, but at the same time, it's like gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, three hundred dollars for a figure I paid ten dollars for. Come on, that's really the biggest things that have come out this week. But there's one more thing. This this one's kind of speculation. There's it's kind of whatever, but it does pose a pretty fun idea so this is literally just hey they're thinking about doing this and that's it there's no time frame there's no talk about how dedicated they are to the idea nothing but there's rumors that wwe is putting together a queen of the ring tournament which i think is very interesting as do i so i brought up the idea to brandon before the show because I know how difficult it is to book something like this that we should come up with our own brackets and go through them. It's going to be a little bit hard. It's going to be a little bit hard to follow when you can't see the bracket, but we are going to elaborate every step of the way so that you know where we end up. This episode is probably going to be the longest episode of the podcast so far just for this full portion. I am going to doubt it, but you know what? If we're <laughs> under an hour 30, I'm perfect. All right. That's that's my shot. That's where I'm shooting for. Well, let's do you shoot. Want me to, 
do mine or do you want to do yours? Well, um, I have my crapshoot of a bracket because I have uh, the tournament bracket generator on my computer screen right now. I chose 24 competitors because I thought that was a sweet spot. And then I looked at it. And I was like, oh, God, this is actually not the sweet spot. So, yes, I have 16 is the is the traditional. Yeah. So I kind of went and overdid it a little bit because I picked from NXT, SmackDown and Raw. And I picked some some of them that would be believable as well as some returns slash debuts. If this were to be coming within the next couple of months. So with the good old randomized generator here, I have tweaked things a little bit. On my bracket, I have Alexa Bliss versus Asuka in the first match. As- I have Asuka winning that one. My second match would be Xia Li versus Selena Vega. Knowing how WWE would book, they would put Xia Li as the winner. Then next, I would have Rhea Ripley versus Dana Brooke. Again, traditional WWE fashion, Rhea Ripley would win it. Shotzi Blackheart versus Lacey Evans. I'm presuming that Lacey Evans would be returning at this point. So, with that being said, I would have Lacey Evans win. Shayna Baszler versus Naomi. And which I would say, because they do bury Naomi, hate to say it, but they do. Shayna Baszler would be winning that match. And plus, I want Shayna Baszler to be dominant. And unfortunately, I had no one else here to really truly take that spot. So I have to put Naomi here. Carmella versus Ember Moon would be next on the card, which I would place Ember Moon there because of bias. I'm just putting it out there. It's bias. Tegan Knox. That'd be more believable. I, I yeah. need to get behind that. Tegan Knox versus Candice Ray. I would say Tegan Knox, I would think, would win that. Not only not because Candice Ray is NXT talent, but because I foresee Tegan Knox winning it. She's more over than Candice. I I I would agree with that. Yeah. Next I would have Eva Marie versus Casey Catanzaro. Now the reason why I have Casey Catanzaro here is because usually she's booked for these sort of things. Like if you've looked at her in the Women's Royal Rumble a couple times, she I believe she was on the Evolution Women's Pay-Per-View. Yes. And she's also usually, in the Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah, so she's she's taken those spots because she doesn't really need to be anything other than just talent that's there. She's already done a lot herself, and she's making money off WWE. So I would have Eva Marie with Dewdrop, or I forget her name before, but I was going to call her that because I, I didn't really Niven. don't. Yeah, Piper Niven. Yeah. Because I would have Eva Marie winning this out of Piper's shenanigans, like she has been doing, which is her gimmick. Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai. This is this one was a tough one for me because I like both of them, but I chose Io Shirai because Io Shirai is more dominant in NXT, and these are both NXT talent. And you can write that off to Io is a former champion and a little yeah. bit bigger, and it, there's there's credible reasoning to that. My next three are more of crapshoot matches that I had left from the people I chose. 
Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax, complete bias. Sasha Banks winning, and this is I don't like I don't like Nia Jax. Sasha Banks is winning, and I have nowhere else to put Nia Jax to where it was believable, other than having Charlotte. But that's later on. The next match would be Aaliyah versus Tony Storm. Even though Aaliyah, I'm presuming, would be debuting, Tony Storm is building up momentum. And I don't know how Aaliyah works. So I'm putting Tony Storm as the winner of that match. And then the last for the first round would be Liv Morgan versus Charlotte Flair. I hate to do it to Liv Morgan too, but in this grudge match, it would be Charlotte Flair winning. I don't like it, but it's believable. I left Charlotte out just out of spite for that. I know they're <laughs> going to put her in this tournament if they have it, but I, I left her out because I was like, I want to build one that's not obvious, that's not cliche, and I'm leaving her out no matter how hard it gets. Yeah, I want to see how accurate I can get my bracket to be, even though I have more than the traditional number. I want to see how many I can get in there. That is right. Not necessarily the matches, but the people themselves. Right. So round two. Asuka versus Zia Lee. I would have Asuka winning. Just because she's more uh, developed. She's a seasoned vet. Compared yep. to Zaya. Next up would be Rhea Ripley versus Lacey Evans. Rhea Ripley. She needs to have some momentum. Even af- after losing her title. So I would place her there. Shayna Baszler versus Ember Moon. Yeah, I would have Shayna Baszler winning that because she needs to be dominant. I like Ember Moon. She got put back to NXT talent, but I think this will be enough to get fans keep eyes on her. Next would be Tegan Knox versus Eva Marie. As much as I didn't like making this decision... I would have Eva Marie winning with Piper doing more shenanigans, which is part of the gimmick. Don't like the result. Still trying to go for that believability factor. Next would be Io Shirai versus Tasha Banks. My heart says I want this to be a very close matchup. And Shayna, oh, why? I have SB on here because I ran out of space in my piece of paper, but uh, Sasha Banks, I would have Sasha Banks win it. Because I'm hoping, again, she's returning around this time frame. And so she needs something for this tournament. The last for round two would be Tony Storm versus Charlotte Flair. I would have Tony Storm upset Charlotte Flair here. Absolutely. And I will get more into that later on. Round three, which would be the quarterfinals. So this is where my... Bracket is more of a crapshoot because um, after this round, one of the competitors will get a freebie into – oh, no, not, not quarterfinals. This is semifinals. Yeah, this is semifinals. So this would be a crapshoot because of other things in play. Uh, there's three matches in the semifinals slash quarterfinals, however you want to call it. Now, I tried to – not have a triple threat because that would break tournament being single. So I went with 
Asuka versus Rhea. Rhea Ripley, I would see her winning this match. Just out of sheer momentum. Asuka doesn't necessarily need this. Next would be Shayna Baszler versus Eva Marie. I would have Shayna Baszler winning. I think she'd be good enough in the ring to win despite Piper's distractions. Then we would have Sasha Banks versus Tony Storm, and I would have Tony Storm win it. Because Sasha Banks doesn't need it, and Tony Storm has momentum. Yep. So then this is this would be Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. This is a, a match that has been done in NXT, and it was gloriously done. So I want to see this match, and I want Rhea Ripley to win once more. Weaving to the finals. Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm. And Tony Storm would win. I would have Tony Storm as my queen of the ring. All right. She would have so much momentum with this, and I could foresee her winning. Not in probably my style bracket, but that's my prediction. Well, I went with the 16-woman bracket. And I'm going to go... I'm going to work one side, and then I'm going to work the other. So, in my first round, I have Zelina Vega going against Nia Jax. Oh. And I have Zelina Vega picking up the win. Oh, that's going to be so hard for WWE to pull right there, if this were to happen. It will be, but I feel like the upset. The upset would be nice. Either, Well, no. Never mind. Because I have an upset coming. Okay. With her. But the way I would book it, I would have some more breakdown between her and Shayna. Nia and Shayna. And yeah. Shayna causes Nia, costs Nia the match. Leads to a feud later on, Nia and Shayna. Okay. That gives them something to do. Okay. Notice a a pattern of branching off storylines here. Because I have, I want to build what happens after Queen of the Ring off of what happens during Queen of the Ring. Which is ideal. For a lot of these women. Yep. So I have Zelina winning over Nia via. Shayna messing it up for Nia. So that way they can go off on a feud on their own. Uh, next, I have Liv Morgan going against Ember Moon. And I have Liv Morgan winning. That would be a good match. So that we have the Zelina and Liv match. Which we will get to, because that's next round. All right. Uh, the next match is a little weird. But I feel like it's one that works regardless. I have Sasha Banks and Tamina. You brought the ta- women's tag champs into the Queen of the Ring. I did, technically. But, but, Natalia is not out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you're kind of protected in that, right? Because it's not working together with somebody. It's working individual. There's a little bit of protection there. All right. Stronger as a unit. So I have Sasha winning over Tamina. 
just in general. Sasha's yep. younger, she's faster. Just I I feel like there's there's explanation enough there and it's grounded in reality enough to be feasible. Right. And I have a veterans match for the last match of the left side of the bracket. I have Natalia going against Asuka. Oh. And the reason I did that, these first two sets with Liv and Zelina being in two different matches, two, I was thinking of anticipating with the fans, them saying, ooh, if Liv and Zelina win, they'll finally get to, you know, go at each other. And mm. the same, same thing, well, not really the same thing, but kind of a different thing. Like, ooh, what if Tamina wins and what if Natalia wins and they have to go head to head? as yeah. tag champions and get, really getting the what if ball rolling so I have Asuka and Natalia going against each other and in this one I have Asuka going over yeah I would agree with that one that one I just picked and I just said I, I just feel Asuka on that one I would agree with that one going into the next round of this side of the bracket we have Zelina Vega versus Liv Morgan. They've had a little bit of issues in the past on SmackDown. This is a little bit of a culmination for it. It's really time to prove who is the better woman at this point in time. And it's the start, the physical start of this rivalry. And on this one, I have Zelina Vega winning via heel tactics, whatever that may be. Feet mm. up on the ropes, foreign weapon. Zelina's going over as a heel. Robbing Liv Morgan of the opportunity. Liv Morgan sheds a couple tears, has that sympathy moment with the crowd, oh. really gets over as a face, and she comes out on SmackDown. Hang up. Let me go back. Okay. Zelina comes out and cuts a promo saying that she's better than Liv and she beat Liv and, you know, she has just a promo in general about herself. And then Liv comes out and and just says that it was robbed from her and in a straight-up one-on-one match, she wouldn't win. And then the rivalry goes from there. And maybe Liv Morgan wins in the in the normal match and it continues for a little feud beyond that. There's my second branching off. Before you continue, I must say that is probably a great way because right now, Zelina Vega, even though she's back, she's looked at as a baby face. So having her do that sort of stuff and book her as a heel for this feud, I would agree with. And she was already a heel with Andrade. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's a natural fit. We've already seen she can do it. Oh, yes. But Zelina's not done yet. Not in this tournament. But I'm just saying, in general, that's where we can branch. Sasha and Asuka. This one, I got Sasha winning. Sasha's okay. more over with the fans. Mm-hmm. And again, she's younger. In some ways, faster. And I, I honestly see this as Sasha surprises Asuka, gets something, goes for something, turns it into a bank statement, 
and picks up the win. Uh, so that leads us to the semifinals of the left side of the bracket. We have Zelina Vega, Sasha Banks. Now this is where the upset win comes. Zelina wins over Sasha in an upset. Clean win, either one, two, three, or a tap out. Zelina wins. Clean. Interesting. So Zelina advances to the finals. That's that's an interesting pick. So Liv Morgan is already a bit established between the Riot Squad and she has a little well, more tenure in wrestling. And I, she hasn't been used properly, but she has more tenure in the WWE ring than Zelina does. And now right. Zelina comes in and gets this big win. And now she's all, you know, she thinks she has all this credibility and everything. And on paper, she does because she has a better record than Liv. Mm-hmm. And that puts her even higher up on the heel list because she's on this pedestal of winning and Liv Morgan isn't, and she's somebody to be sympathized with. And this is going to get Liv Morgan over even more when she wins as a face and gets that pop. All right. And we're, we're going to circle back to this when we get to the finals, the finals finals, to where this angle is going to go in the future. Now to the right side, and you're going to hate me on this first decision, but I had to do it. First round, I have Tony Storm and Naomi. <laughs> it's going to be a, a back-and-forth match, a good match of, of almost catching your opponent, but not quite. I have Tony Storm winning. Okay, I was about to say, whew. If the, you... next, the next match is an NXT match. Yeah. I have Zoe Stark, one half of the NXT Women's Tag Champions, going against Casey Catanzaro. Yeah. And the reason I have this is because Zoe Stark isn't exactly established yet. This is facts. She hasn't had many wins she hasn't had much tv time casey catanzaro across the board wwe excluded as well or included as well has had a lot of tv time has had some wins she's a phenomenal phenomenal person yeah she's a great person and a great talent but i have zoe stark winning this one to give her that credibility yeah I feel like that's a good stepping stone for Zoe Stark to get on that same level. Because when you put her with someone like Io Shirai, you got to start building Zoe up. Right. And this is, I think, a good start to that. I would agree. All right. So next, I have Dewdrop and Alexa Bliss. Now, this is because of they've been going back and forth on Raw between Dewdrop and Eva Marie and Alexa Bliss. So I have Alexa Bliss winning because Eva Marie, Eva Marie tries to get involved and messes up the match for Dewdrop in some way. And I know this is the second time, technically, but this one's going to be a little more subtle. 
because Eva Marie is going to do something that just throws Dewdrop off. And then we're going to go through a little bit more of the match. That's not going to be the finish as her getting thrown off. But she gets thrown off of her course a little bit. Alexa tends to get the one up on Dewdrop. And Alexa wins. And this sets up nicely for Dewdrop and Eva Marie to feud. Eva Marie to put over Dewdrop. Dewdrop moves on in her career after she rids herself of Eva Marie, wins a match or two against her, and moves on to bigger and better. The last match, and probably my favorite so far, is Mia Yim coming back as Mia Yim. She got her name back on Twitter. Awesome. That's good to hear. She's going to go against Mercedes Martinez. Ooh. And it is going to be a throwdown brawl. Close match. A couple of very close, almost three counts both ways. Great spots. I'm going to sprinkle in a couple of super spots there. And you're not going to know who's going to win until it happens. And it is going to be just, you're not going to know who's going to win this match. But in the end, I'm giving it to Mia Yim to give her the push. Now that she's Mia Yim to establish her on the main roster. Yeah. You get those good old, this is awesome. Those holy chants. Yep. Mercedes has some time and needs a little bit more exposure before that push is going to matter. So I'm going to give that to me again. So let's start on that match first. So we have now Alexa Bliss and Mia Yim. This was a tough one. Because based on what I just said, I'm giving Mia Yim a push to a point. But we also have Alexa Bliss in the mix. It was established, even with her gimmick. I'm going to give it to Alexa Bliss. Alexa is going to win it. And I don't really have a reason why. I just feel like that's the best move for right now. The other quarterfinal is Tony Storm and Zoe Stark. Tony Storm is going to win that match. It is going to be a back and forth. The more the more seasoned wrestler and Tony Storm going against the more rookie Zoe Starks. It's going to be a back and forth. And at the end, it's going to be one of those moments where they both get up. Tony Storm extends the hand, shakes Zoe Stark's hand, raises her hand, basically gives her the, hey, this is just because she lost doesn't mean she's bad treatment. And kind of puts her over in that way. In a, in a, I underestimated you a little bit fashion. So Tony's going over. Semifinals on the right side, we have Tony Storm and Alexa Bliss. This was a tough one. This was a tough one on, on its face. But I, I gave it to Tony. Because she needs it. Alexa can bounce back. She 
got enough in this tournament to where this loss isn't going to hurt her. So I gave it to Tony. Which brings us to the finals. Selena Vega, Tony Storm. This is interesting. Selena Vega, the heel, Tony Storm, the now face. As she has been presented on SmackDown. Now, Zelina is going to undercut. She's going to scrap. She's going to do what she has to do. And she's going to start to turn the tides her way at the beginning of the match to roughly the middle, a little bit before the middle. And Tony is going to sell like crazy. She's going to get that sympathy up. She's going to have a comeback. She's going to get tired of Zelina Vega. She's going to beat down on her a bit, get some time to breathe. Turn the momentum completely. And then Zelina is going to have a little moment where she reverses one or two moves. Close pin. Doesn't win. You have some more back and forth wrestling. Couple of submission moves to kind of maybe one, one or two submission moves. Maybe a reversal to really tease that tap. And in the end, I give it to Tony. We have the same mindset of who would be the queen of the ring. Yes, I, I give it to Tony because she can start to build up her own rapport. She is a May Young Classic winner, former mm-hmm. NXT UK women's champion, now queen of the ring winner. And she can even have a crown if she so desires. Or a cape. I would rather a crown. Let's not <laughs> let's not accentuate. And this gets her to a feud with Bianca Belair. Because what I would do with this tournament is I would say the winner gets a shot at your company's title. So in Tony's case, it would be against Bianca. That makes a believable case. And at that point, with how far out this tournament would be and how long it would take to do, I think it would be the right time to take the title from Bianca to Tony. All right. And as far as Zelina goes, you built her up enough. She's now a dominant heel. And... You've left a little bit of room there, too, to where Tony beat Zelina on her debut and also beat her in the finals of this match. But if they put up enough of a good show, now you have a great heel that's established herself to go against the great face we made with Tony Storm, who won the championship from Bianca. And that's how I put the puzzle together. Yours is more well thought out. Mine was a crapshoot. I just, I had a lot of time to think about it. And I wanted to think about it more in depth with what I wanted to do storyline wise. Yeah. Yours make. There's some plot holes. The Alexa Bliss stuff is a little flimsy. Yeah. Yours makes more sense compared to mine. 
I don't know if Mia Yim is the right choice over Mercedes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not too big of a fan of, you know, having like Nia lose because of Shayna or Dewdrop lose because of Eva Marie, but I feel like it opens up good. Door or you can even have Nia Jack loses because of Reginald. Oh, Reginald, the 24 7 champion. Oh, yeah. But that those are our brackets. Yeah. And that is our show. Indeed it is. You you were close to cutting your time, but a little bit over. Yeah, it was two and a half minutes when we went an hour and a half. Yeah. But thank you guys again for joining us this week. Um Gabe will be back on next week's show. Just feeling a little under the weather this week. But all is good. All is good in his hood. He's all good. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else we missed? I think that's it. All right. Then we will see you next week.